I couldn't remember. How old are you today, Sasha? Oh, 17 today. Yes, okay. So, I, I couldn't remember. I didn't remember asking that. I thought I'd at least ask. Alright. It just seems like yesterday. I think it was, although it's been at least 10 years now that I was there. <coughs> yes, indeed. Alright, James chapter 5 tonight. James chapter 5. This is our new members reception evening, so we're going to try to move quickly tonight and Trying to maybe uh, kind of cut off a little bit sooner so we can get things moving with down at the uh, fellowship there, <clears throat> reception. I do want to <clears throat> let you know that next Sunday night will be communion. We'll be doing communion next Sunday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Lunch decided to show up again. <clears throat> Not really, but I thought I'd try to waken some of you up out there. Wow, it's a tough crowd. I'm glad I'm not a stand-up comic. Boy, I'll tell you. (laughs) James chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. We're going to read one verse tonight, and then we're going to move on. Okay, James chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. You know, many successful people have acknowledged in their memoirs or diaries that whenever they came to an impasse or some kind of wall in their work, when they were completely baffled and needed insight, understanding, or wisdom, they sought the Lord in prayer. This was true in the life of the inventor of the telegraph, Samuel F.B. Morris. In an interview, George Harvey inquired, Professor Morris, when you were making your experiments at the university, did you ever come to a standstill, not knowing what to do next? He replied, I've never discussed this with anyone, so the public knows nothing about it, but now that you ask me, I'll tell you frankly, I prayed for more light. And did God give you the wisdom and knowledge you needed? Yes, He did, said Morris. That's why I never felt I deserved the honors that came to me from America and Europe because of the invention associated with my name. I'd made a valuable application of the use of electrical power But it was all through God's help. It wasn't because I was superior to other scientists. When the Lord wanted to bestow this gift on mankind, He had to use someone. I'm just grateful He chose to reveal it to me. In view of these facts, it wasn't surprising that the inventor's first message on the telegraph was, What hath God wrought? The first message, what hath God wrought? In our text tonight, we meet up with a man by the name of Elijah. He too would prove to us that prayer was profitable 
as well. Prayer is always profitable. Prayer is always good. Prayer is always needed. And tonight I want to share a simple message I've entitled, Stop Signs on the Road to Prayer. Stop Signs on the Road to Prayer. Let's pray tonight. Father, we come to you this evening thanking you for another opportunity to gather in your house. Thank you, Father, for your people. Thank you, Father, for your spirit and for your word. Tonight we gather desiring to meet with you. It will be a waste of your time and ours if we simply meet with one another. Lord, we need a touch from heaven. We need you, Father, to pour upon us the dew of glory. Father, may we truly know that we have heard your voice tonight. And may we be inspired and encouraged to pray more and pray more fervently. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather this evening. And, Father, it's a special evening as we once again recognize officially those that are new members. And we pray, Lord, that, Father, we would be a blessing to them and they'd be a blessing to us. And, Lord, may even this evening be an encouragement to each and every one of us as we consider this area of prayer. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Elijah, this Elijah, was the one who was fed at Cherith both morning and evening by the ravens. Elijah that we read about in the book of James was the one who blessed the widow of Zarephath with a cruise of oil that never failed and a barrel of meal that never wasted. This Elijah raised the widow's son who had fallen sick and ultimately died. He challenged the prophets of Baal to a duel and ultimately called fire down from heaven. This Elijah overcame the soldiers of the north kingdom of Israel on three different occasions, destroying 50 at a time. Elijah, this Elijah, smote the Jordan with his mantle, parted it, and walked across on dry ground. This Elijah was a mighty man of God, a powerful servant of the Lord. Elijah, one of the great prophets, one of the great men of God that walked the face of this earth and ultimately landed between the binding of this book we call the Bible. And yet this same Elijah is also the one that ran from Jezebel in fear of his life. He could be found under a Jennifer tree, discouraged and depressed. This Elijah had lost all hope in life and even invited death. The same Elijah that called fire down from heaven became so distraught that he would not even eat. Elijah felt so sorry for himself that he believed himself to be the only faithful prophet left. In our passage, the Bible says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Thank God that he was subject to like passions as we are. For we've run in the face of fear. 
We've been found discouraged and depressed at times. We've lost hope to some degree or another. We've felt distressed and distraught to the point of not eating. We've been guilty of feeling sorry for ourselves and possessing a martyr's complex. But as we're going to find today, Elijah wasn't that same man. You know, the one that faced or ran from fear. The one who was depressed and discouraged. The one whose hope had been lost. That won't be the, the, the Elijah that we will now see get a hold of God. Though he was a man of like passion, as we are, he prayed earnestly. This man kept praying, and he kept praying, and he kept praying. So what are we to learn? Keep praying. It's that simple. He predicted a drought. And that drought lasted for three and a half years or at least till Elijah prayed for rain again. The prophet Baal had gone down in defeat. As the flames came down, so did he. Elijah now instructs Ahab to eat and drink, for there's going to be there's the sound of abundance of rain. Look, if you will, in 1 Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 18. Notice verse 42. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42, the Bible says, So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Again, realize the fire has fallen. The prophets of Baal have been defeated. Now this man of God instructs Ahab to get up and eat and drink. And verse 42, So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There's nothing. To go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there riseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Elijah had prayed that there would be no rain. There had been no rain for three and a half years. We don't have the time to discuss it, nor do we have the time to embellish. However, three and a half years is a very important period of time in the Bible. If we know anything about the tribulation period, we know that it is divided into two three and a half year periods. I don't believe it's coincidental that the prophets who will show up in chapter 11 of the book of Revelation will cause a drought. 
Elijah ultimately is taken out in a whirlwind and chariots. I believe he'll show back up in the tribulation period and once again pray that it not rain for three and a half years, even as he did there in the book of Kings. He prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years, and now we find him there on Mount Carmel, following one of the greatest victories in all time, praying for rain. And here in the passage, we have a marvelous picture of faith and sight being presented. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. First of all, prayer is very determinate on perspective. Productive prayer is often hampered by sight. See, the Christian journey is a faith journey. It is a life lived by faith, not lived by sight. And too often we permit our natural eyes to dictate or determine our spiritual temperature. We look out over the world and we see what is taking place and what is being conjured up in the minds of the world and all of a sudden we feel defeated. God would have us take our cue from His treasure chest of precious promises rather than the tabloids and text of perdicious men. But sadly, we can be found very fearful at times, even frozen by the giants that we face in this life. It would be God's will, however, that we, like that shepherd boy David, would be found with the sling of prayer and the rock of our God in order to bring down the foe and the enemies that we face every day. We permit our eyes to hinder our prayers. For we see with natural eyes. We're told that Elijah bowed himself to the ground with his face between his knees. He puts himself in a position where there beneath the mantle he could see nothing, he could hear nothing. He says to his servant, go and take a look, see what's going on. He went and he returned to share only one word, nothing, nothing. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever begged God for something and only to find nothing? Have you ever went into your closet and there begged God to provide or to care or to meet a need only to hear the word nothing? To see nothing? What do we do under such circumstances? How do we respond? I mean, what thoughts find their way into our being when we have prayed and prayed and prayed only to see nothing? I believe often we're tempted to say, no, that's just what I thought it would do. I thought I expected that. And then we give up praying. Well, I prayed. I did what the Bible said. I heard what the preacher preached. And I did exactly what he said. I got in my closet. I got on my knees. I prayed and I prayed and nothing. Nothing. And so we 
say, well, that's what I figured. And we quit praying. I wonder, did Elijah give up praying? No, he said, go again. Go again and come back. And he went up and he came back. He heard the word, nothing. He went up and he came back and he heard the word, nothing. What do you see out there? Nothing. Six times his servant goes to the top of Carmel. Six times he looks out over the valley. Six times he returns with the same message. Six times Elijah hears nothing, 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 nothing. But that seventh time, that seventh time was different. That time, he says, there's a little cloud like a man's hand. Elijah jumps up out of his prayer closet and says, well, get ready because the rains are coming. God has heard his servant. And a man's hand had raised in supplication and now down came the rain. Elijah, I just want to note his posture. His head was between his knees. We think about prayer, and I think we've become a little casual sometimes in our prayer life. I really do. I'm not opposed to praying wherever, whenever. I believe that we're to pray without ceasing, without doubt. However, I do believe we've gotten a little bit lax in our prayer life. I think sometimes we think it's all right to have the TV going and the music blaring and and to have things going on around. I'll just pray right here. I don't know that that's really the kind of fervent prayer that gets answers from God. I think we've just gotten a little lax. I mean, in this particular case, the posture of this man of God is his head between his knees. And I do believe tonight that what he's trying to tell us is he's in a place where it cannot be interrupted. He's got his head down there underneath the mantle. He's in a place that's all by himself, in a place where he cannot see with his own natural eyes, where his ears are somewhat stopped and shut to the, the, the uh, uh, sounds of, around him. He's in that quiet place, that secret place. He's under the wings of our Lord. He speaks and cries out to the Lord. I think we'll all be a little bit surprised how formal our God is one day. I don't believe He goes around joking with His buddies like we try to pretend. I have no doubt He has a sense of humor and I believe that He is... I believe that He is down to earth, so to speak, but I promise you this, He is holy and He is righteous. We see His purpose. Again, His posture, His head between His knees, His purpose is to shut out the sound and sight and in turn be shut up with God. To shut out all the world and to be shut in with God. Shut up with God. We note not only the posture and the purpose, but the perseverance. No matter the response of His servant, He just continues to pray. Doesn't matter what the headlines read, He just keeps on praying. Doesn't matter what He sees coming across 
the Internet. He just keeps on praying. Doesn't matter how the election turns out. He just keeps on praying. We see the product. Rain. What he prayed for, he got. You know, we cannot permit our natural sight to determine our spiritual thermometers. And so often we do. We walk around in our world and we see so much negativity. We hear of crime and we hear of all kind of horrible situations and circumstances. We, we note the bank failures and we see the foreclosures and the job market. And although they tell us that our president is creating over 100,000 jobs every month, they don't tell us that the majority of them are part-time. And when we start to come to the reality that there is no one man in this world that's going to solve our problems. If we're not careful, we allow our spiritual thermometers to be based upon what's taking place and transpiring in our world. And we walk around as defeated and discouraged and disappointed as the world in which we were saved out of. Sight may see nothing. But faith must keep going all along. Although the reports may seem hopeless, we must keep earnestly praying by faith. Arthur T. Pearson once said, Do you know how to pray that way? How to pray prevailingly? Let sight give as discouraging reports as it may, but pay no attention to these. The living God is still on the heavens, in the heavens, and even to delay is part of His goodness. Oh, let me read that last part. He said, the living God is still in the heavens, and even to delay is part of His goodness. I heard about three boys who gave their definition of faith. The first boy said, it's taking hold of Christ. The second... Keeping hold. The third said, no, faith is not letting go. And I want to exhort you this evening to hold on to Christ, to keep holding on and to not let go. Boy, those young men didn't realize it, but they're talking about faith in action. Demonstrating perseverance. That's what we need in the Christian life. Let me ask you, what do you really want from God tonight? What do you really want? Many are the critics and obstacles to discourage us. We simply need to see by faith. Ask believing, and keep believing, and keep asking. In Matthew 21, 22, we read in all things, Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. We don't believe that today. We really don't. We don't. I'm just as guilty as the next sometimes. When's the last time prayer made your decision? 
I mean really made your decision. You know, like how much you were going to give to the building fund, how much was prayer really involved, and how much was your bank account? Faith promised. How much was your faith or, should your, or your prayers determining what you gave to faith promise, and how much did your bank account determine it? Hey, listen, let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. How many decide whether or not they can give their tithes and offerings based on what their paycheck looked like, or do they give it based on prayer and faith? Do you really believe? Do you really believe that what comes in in our offerings is a picture of faith? Do you? I don't. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. I don't. Sight rules Christians today. Sight rules us. If sight rules our decisions, then it rules our futures. It rules our futures. God only blesses faith. If it is not faith, it is sin. That's what His Bible tells us, the Word tells us. If it's not a faith, it is sin. We are to live by, by faith, not by sight. And our prayers are evident of our reliance and dependence upon God. The sky is the limit in our Christian experience if we will permit God to be real in our prayer life. Still another problem exists that I've noted concerning prayer. Not only do we note this issue of perspective, but finally I want to consider this aspect of proximity. Often we go around claiming promises that are out of our reach. Let me say that again. Let me knock on your door for a minute. Let's wake up. I want you to hear what I'm just going to say there. We're going around claiming promises that are out of our reach. Not because they're not available. But we're not close enough to grab them. See, the promises that you and I really seek are found at the throne of God. Now listen, you don't just... I know we're to come boldly into the throne of grace. And I have no problem with that. But don't you think for a minute that a holy God sits in heaven and says, you come as you are. You don't just run to that throne when you've got sin hanging off of your clothes and your body and everything else. Too many times we're trying to drag this world into the throne room of God and we expect God to invite us in gladly. And then to answer our prayers as though we have lived a separated, sanctified, dedicated, consecrated life unto Christ. That is an impossibility because of the character of our God. He desires and He longs to answer our prayers. But we do not go to our God on our terms. We go to Him on His terms. And He is holy. And we are to worship Him in the beauty of His holiness.
How close to the throne are you today? I'm very alarmed that in America it seems there is no distinction today between the product of the Christian home and the product of a worldly home. I'm disturbed by that. And I'm not just talking about offspring. I'm talking about what comes forth out of our lips, what comes out of our lives. Doesn't it disturb you that we as believers as a whole have the same problems the world has? Doesn't that bother you? And if you, by chance, are someone that experiences these types of issues in your life, your marriage, your home, why do you settle for so little when God promises so much? In every single case, May we just take the gloves off and simply say what it is. It is a matter of unconfessed sin in our lives. The reason why our prayers are not answered is because we choose to live a life of sin. We embrace sin. We will not part with sin. We love our sin even to the point where we're willing to sacrifice our very children. And it doesn't have to be pornography. It doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. Sin is anything that keeps you away from God. How close to the throne are you? And Elijah was a man of like passions. He was like you and he was like me. Yet he prayed and he prayed and he prayed till he got something from God. He got close to the throne and that put him in proximity of God. And when we are at the feet of Jesus, we need not reach up for He is laying it down. It's there for the asking. I stopped asking God, why he chooses not to give and started asking why I'm not receiving. Did you get it? Why aren't you giving, God? I stopped saying that. I'm wondering why he's not giving. Why I'm not receiving, I should say. What's, with, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I not receiving or getting what I'm asking for? Instead of looking at God and saying, what's your problem? I look at me and say, what's my problem? I know God wants to answer prayer. And I know God wants to bless me and my family. I know He wants to glorify Himself through the church. I know these things. So when there's a problem, it's not God to look at. It's me. What keeps you from the throne of God? What keeps you from it? I've already mentioned the word sin. Let's talk about a couple of other things. Let's just assume that every one of us are perfectly right with God today. Or at least pretty close. I want to talk to you today real quick for just a minute or two 
about stop signs on the road to prayer. I want to show you some things that keep you and I from praying. Here we go. Here's the first stop sign. Phone calls. Phone calls keep us from prayer. Phone calls. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know this thing right there. You know the one I carry with me 24-7? Put it right by my bed. You can reach me day or night. It's never out of my sight, never out of my proximity. I'm closer to this phone than I am to Jesus. Hey, listen, don't, don't look pious at me like that. Too many times that phone stuck to our hip. Jesus Christ is all the way in heaven still. Listen, that right there, those phone calls, they'll keep you from prayer. They'll keep you from prayer if you're not careful. You have to guard against it. You know what else? Text. Text will do it too. Oh, I know. You say, come on now. You're against all, you know, modern conveniences. No, I'm just telling you what are some of the, some of the stop signs on the road to prayer. I'm telling you some things that will keep you from praying and getting the answers you so desire. Assuming that you're not harboring sin. David said, if I, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 66.18, the book of Psalms. So I'm assuming now that we're not harboring sin. That there's no known sin in our lives. But I'll tell you what, even though there isn't, that text that you'll receive could interrupt your prayers. Keep you from really getting to the throne like you desire and want. Oh, oh, another one. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. There it is. Emails. It happens. It, it, it's all the time. You, you can't even say... You, how many of you have ever gone to sleep and all of a sudden your phone's going off and it's driving you nuts? That... Whoosh, or ding, ding. You know, all those little alerts we have going. Somebody just emailed me. I'm over here on my knees. I'm praying, begging God. Oh, God, be with my children. Beep, beep. I better grab that. Don't tell me you've never done that. Emails. Don't you, don't you think for a minute emails won't keep you from getting to the throne at times. Oh, how about this one? Social networking. I, I, I want to ask you something real quick. I just want to ask you a real simple question. And, and listen, I, I'm going to get nailed here in a little bit, so let me just nail you because I don't have this, so I can, I can preach, you know. I'm just going to ask you something. How many of you got on this thing right here? Spent more time doing that than you did spending time with your wife this week? That's probably not as... Oh, wait, wait, let's change that one around, right, fellas? How many of you spent more time on this than you did preparing meals for your husband even? Just, just wondering. I'm just wondering. Now listen, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of you are going, what? That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't crazy. I know women that literally every time one of my kids gets on this, they say they're on it. Every single time. I'm just wondering, how do you have time for that? And then don't tell me it doesn't affect your prayer life. Come on now, let's be honest. I'm not saying that this is wrong. There's nothing wrong with being connected to family and friends and being able to talk to people. I love the Skype thing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's great. But I can't Skype 24 hours a day. Listen, you need to disconnect. 
to pray. You need to, di- you need to put your heads between your legs. You need to get on that airplane like they tell you, and when it's going to crash, put your head between your legs and hold on for dear life. That's what they tell you. Now listen, we need to do that in our prayer life. We need to forget about everything around us, put our head in our lap, and say, God of heaven, I will not permit myself to be disturbed. I'm shutting off that phone. I'm going to get rid of my, my, my texting and my emails and my social network. Everything's off. I'm only listening to you and only talking to you. What about this one? Here's another stop sign, a busy schedule. Listen, does anybody in this room have a busy schedule? That's a dumb question, isn't it? Every American has a busy schedule today. And even if you don't, compared to some, you think you do. Everybody has the most strong-willed child that's ever lived. Am I right? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you something. Every parent in the room at some point thought, man, I guarantee you nobody's had a strong-willed child like this one. I hear it all the time in my classes. I think, come on, are you kidding? Well, if you had my kid, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, guess what? Everybody thinks their schedule is the busiest. Everybody. Whether it is or isn't isn't even the issue. We all believe that. And I'm going to tell you something. Feeling busy keeps you from the throne. It is a stop sign on the road to prayer. You better free up. You better schedule. Listen, if there is one curse that I see permeating the church today, it is a lack of self-discipline. People cannot discipline themselves to be anywhere, to do anything, and to take responsibility or say, I will be there no matter what, preacher. Every week I'll be there. I'll just be there. It doesn't matter what goes on in my life. I'll be there. No, we don't want to make those kind of commitments because we want our flexibility in America. We want to be able to, if we're comfortable, not to have to get up. If we're watching something unique, we don't want to have to leave. We don't want to have to get the kids ready because it's just easier. It's summer and they're in their little shorts running around the backyard having a good time running through the sprinkler. Oh my, to have to actually get up and go to visitation on Tuesday at 6.30? Forget it! I'd just stay home tonight. Church? I like it, but... I don't like it that much. You better be careful. It'll keep you from the throne. It's a stop sign on the road to prayer. Oh, hobbies. Shame, shame, shame if you spent more time And I'm going to get in trouble here because a couple of my staff did this this week. (laughs) If you spent more time on the golf course than you spent in prayer this week, shame, shame, shame on you. Well, I need my relaxation. I know you do. But your family needs you at the throne more. You know how hard it is to get people to pray? People walk in an office like mine and say, Preacher, my children are going off the deep end. Lord, my marriage is falling apart. Will you read this? Will you study this? Will you pray? Yeah, I'll pray. 
How much did you pray this week? Well, to be honest with you, preacher, I kind of slipped. Obviously, your marriage isn't bad enough. Obviously, your kids haven't gone wayward enough. Obviously, your heart's not broken enough to pray. You still had time to go golfing. You still had time to meet with the fellas and to go out with the girls and do all the things that you do. I'm going to tell you something. The reason why we're not receiving the promises, the precious promises from God's treasure chest, is because we're not close enough to get them. Those hobbies, maybe, they can keep us from that. Those prayers. That, that, that's a stop sign on the road to prayer. Another stop sign on the road to prayer, and you and I both know this is true. We know it's true. I don't like to admit it, even in my own life and home. The television, TV. Let's just face it. You know, I, I mean, come on now. I mean, I, I just bought a series of Bat Masterson. They call him Bat. Bat Masterson. I love that guy. He's awesome. I mean, that thing was probably back in the 50s. I don't know. It might even be in the 40s the way it looks sometimes. But I'm going to tell you something. I like it. My kids love it too. Okay, so maybe not as much as I do. The trail that he blazed is still there. No one has come since to replace his name. Oh, yeah, I got it down, buddy. Well, Bat Masterson. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with a little Bat Masterson. I just bought four movies at the Walmart the other day. Saw Mrs. Francis there, actually. She tried to send me in the wrong department, but I found it anyway. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Got to close. Four movies for five bucks, Jimmy Stewart's. Nothing wrong with Jimmy Stewart. I mean, it's a wonderful life. Oh, wait a second. It doesn't matter how good the show is. It doesn't matter whether it's wholesome even or clean. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that it does take a lot of time. You know... This can be a stop sign on the road to prayer if we're not careful. Okay? How about this one? Again, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just saying that they can be a stop sign. that keeps us from the throne of God or from the place of prayer, entertainment. We all like that, don't we? Love to go out to eat with my sweetheart. Spend time with my friends over dinner. I enjoy listening to a concert. Well, that's fine. But did you neglect prayer this week? It could be a stop sign on the road to prayer. I'm going to show you another one that maybe you don't realize is. Gentlemen, pay attention. Your wife. It's funny... How you have all the time in the world to want to be close to your wife. You bother her. You push her around. She's trying to cook dinner and you just, just can't seem to cool off. You better make sure you're spending time hot in prayer. 
Because more than anything in your life, you better be able to get a hold of God. And when tragedy strikes in your home and family, and more than likely it will at some point in your life and existence, you'll wish to God you had spent the time to get close to Him. That right there can be a stop sign on the road to prayer. Listen to me. But God gave her to me. Yeah, and God gave you the Bible. And He gave you those knees to get on. Listen, this right here came after your command. This, this is first. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy might and with all thy soul. Hold on, ladies, before we get a little bit, those guys, I don't know, they're beasts. And blah, blah, blah. What about these ones? I don't have time to pray. It's morning till night. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult. Those right there can cause you trouble. You don't even have time to go in the bathroom. Mom! Mom! Any mother knows I'm telling the truth. It doesn't matter. You could, everything could be quiet on the home front. You walk in the bathroom, ladies, and somebody's yelling for you. Children especially. can be a stop sign on the road to prayer. Hey, friends, nothing like a good friend. But let's be careful we don't spend more time talking to our friends and fail to pray. Hey, enjoy your friends. Have a good time. But don't neglect God and His throne. It could be a stop sign on the road to prayer. Hey, another one, just your family. Be careful. Family's a wonderful thing. I have nothing wrong. I love family. Listen, every man in the room ought to die for his family. Be willing to die for your family. No doubt about it. But don't ever forget who died for you. This can be a roadblock on the road to prayer. I mean, a, uh, excuse me, a stop sign on the road to prayer. Thank you. Video games, young people. And you pitiful soul. You're a grown man and you can't control this. You pitiful soul. I'll get a big box of diapers for you next week. <laughs> big box of diapers. Poor wife sitting over in the corner waiting for you to get off your little video game. Jesus Christ sitting there up in heaven going, when will he ever quit? I've just been waiting to hear his voice. But all he keeps doing is yelling at the TV and clicking those little buttons. I'm going to tell you something. You can be as addicted to that as you can drugs or alcohol. Don't you think for a minute you can't. I know men in this church that have been addicted to that. I know it. They've told me. Listen, you be careful with that. It can be a stop sign on the road to prayer. putting that one away because I, I have no problem with that one at all. <laughs> Trust me, look at my yard sometime. I mean it. Ladies? Shopping. Oh, oh, hold on. I want to end with this one because this one's probably the most deceptive one of all. The ministry. We get so busy doing the work of God, we think, 
that we're doing it all in our flesh and never calling upon Him. Man, that's so easy to do. So easy. This right here, the ministry, can become a stop sign on the road to prayer. Dr. Helen Rosevere, missionary to Zaire, excuse me, Zaire, Zaire, excuse me, Zaire. Zaire? Oh, well, anyway, Zaire, I'll call it. Helen Rosenveer, missionary to Zaire, told the following story. A mother at our mission station had died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the, for the baby and for her sister. One of the little girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. Dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, a very large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, that little girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, saying, If God sent that, I'm sure He also sent a doll. And you know what? She was right. See, the Lord knew in advance what the cry and the heart and the desire of that young little girl would be. I want you to know that we have to pray by faith, not sight. Even when it seems impossible, even when it seems that the chips are stacked against us, I want you to know that God is anxious to answer prayer. But we have to be very careful that we stay in proximity so that we're close enough to receive those blessings from our Heavenly Father. And we must ensure that we keep the right perspective. Because there are a number of stop signs on the road to prayer that can keep us from victory. Let's be men and women of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time that we've had together and just for the simplicity of this message and for the Word of God that so carefully...